Hey you, thanks for tuning into the Waiting List Podcast. I'm Long Long. I'm Daniel. And I'm Jacqueline. And we are three watch friends with a healthy obsession for watches. So sit back and relax with us while we chat with collectors, industry giants, and share some good vibes. So a couple of years ago, due to my fellow co-host Long Long influence, I started journaling. And uh, which on a side note, I highly recommend to all our listeners out there. And although it doesn't require much equipment, I guess the watch nerd in me started to delve more in the equipment required to journal, which is mainly just a journal and a writing instrument. For the journal, I settled for Rhodia notebooks, which uses uses this extremely high quality paper. And it's actually, I, I really love the shade of it as well. Now, Paper for most of us has become somewhat of an item lost in the modern 21st century tech world. But when you get good paper and you use it often, honestly, it's one of those things that where you wonder, like, how did you ever cope in life? But high quality paper is nothing without an appropriate writing instrument. So I actually started to delve into pens and in particular, fountain pens. I started reading about them, watching the YouTube videos on them and Truth be told, I just got totally overwhelmed um, because there's just so much out there. I, I just didn't know where to start, didn't know where to finish. There was just so much to learn. But uh, that leads me to our guest today, who is Mr. Samuel Naldi. I hope I've pronounced that correctly, who is an Excellent. expert in this field. So it's somewhat of a different podcast today, but there are, in fact, many similarities to watches. So welcome to the show, Samuel. Thank you so much, Daniel Lung Lung. Great to be here. I appreciate it. Right. But before we get onto pens, an interesting thing is your family didn't start off in pens. I understand your family started off in actually making watch boxes, a topic that we actually rarely touch upon on this podcast. Um, I kind of feel it's like the lost child. You know, everybody talks about watches, everybody talks about straps, everybody talks about the craftsmanship behind it. Nobody really talks about the, the watch box. And in many cases, especially in China, people leave the box in Hong Kong and don't even bring the, you know, the box into China. So yeah, how did your family get into that? So it's fun because my family actually was involved in several business over the last uh, three decades. And they started off with fashion. So my father and my mother were producing uh, ties at the beginning. And that somehow led to uh, being, because I grew up in, in Lausanne, so very near to Geneva and to the place where all uh, uh, these beautiful manufacturers are. And that somehow led to being in touch with different uh, brands that you know needed maybe to create a custom tie. So we did some ties for Rolex uh, and for, for Zenit and so on. And that at some point, led to the fact that some brands started telling my father, hey, listen, we need boxes. And you have to think we're talking about 1996, 1997. So the watch industry was at another stage back at the time. 
and somehow he started like um, uh, producing these boxes pretty much uh, uh, by by chance. So uh, he started off with brands like Omega, brands like Jacob and Co, which was really at early stages with his five time zone. And then from there, because my father is very um, you know creative and likes to dive deep into different kind of uh, of topics, he also started taking some pen brands in distribution within the Swiss market. So we had this, um, at the at the beginning, it was mainly fashion, but then fashion, they left it completely on the side. And then it was box producing for the watch industry and pen distribution for the Swiss market, pretty much. Okay, so you said you mentioned Omega and Jacob & Co. Uh, what other brands did you make boxes for? Oh my God, it's it's really so much. And I invite you, Daniel and Lang Lang, whenever you're here, uh, you have to come to our office because you'll see all type of boxes. But I mean, we're talking about, you know, we did the first boxes for Red Jap, uh, for Acrebia. Uh, we did a lot of boxes for Grubble 4C. Actually, you mentioned that a lot of collectors leave the boxes uh, at uh, the store. And that was exactly what happened when I was doing my apprenticeship at Embassy. I was seeing the boxes my, that my father did for Grubble 4C, but the customer had left and that box was there for like three years and we would just store it. So uh, Global Force is another of those brands, Beauvais, Tiret, we did boxes for Laurent Favre, really like plenty, plenty of brands, if I have to be honest. <laughs> so, so when you do the boxes, are you talking about, so Omega, they produce, I don't know how many watches, but it, it's going to be a lot, right? You can't be making, like, are you making their top line or something? Yeah, we, we usually got asked, for their limited edition, their special edition boxes, like when they did the, the anniversary edition of the Speedmaster with all the tools inside, that's become kind of a, a collector item by itself, only the box. That was, for example, one of the boxes that my that my father did. So my father was more focusing on doing really the high-end uh, boxes. As I said, you know, he would be doing uh, boxes for brands that sell watches for half a million or above that. So obviously, the price of, of, of the box was quite high already in production. Just to clarify, were you designing the boxes as well or you guys just make the boxes? Uh, very good question. No, we're doing actually, it really depends on the customer. Uh, usually there would be a meeting and they would kind of say, you know, we are doing this kind, this is the watch. But usually it happened like this. This is the watch. We need a box for it, you know. And obviously if you would talk to to brands like, like Omega, they already had in mind what they needed and we would yeah. kind of just create the surrounding of it. Yeah. But like, for example, with Jacob, it was like, yeah, Jacob had the idea of what it needed to be. Uh, but but then my father would come up with the design with his ideas and they were truly, truly appreciated. That has changed by now, by the way. And the, okay. the watch industry has changed and and the, the budget allocated for the packaging is way, way smaller. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Did, did you ever think like when you were... Um making these boxes that your box is more expensive than making the watch <laughs> that's true that is true though yeah do you know what i mean i'm not talking about adding the marketing cost in the watch just the yeah. manufacturer yeah no but it wasn't like that to be honest <laughs> no but, but yeah it's a good point it's a good point but listen you know i think 
if if you uh, allow me really to do a link in the pen industry, and I'm not going to go too deep, huh? but the box part, the packaging part is extremely important when you're building up the awareness of a product. So mm -hmm. um, at the beginning in the watch industry, it wasn't just the watch. Nowadays, you can get the Nautilus in a, in a, in a carton box mm -hmm. and, you know, it's okay. It's even cool, right? Mm -hmm. But back at the time, there was this whole... Um, beauty and magic of opening up the box and showing the, the the watch and so back at the time this was part of selling the watch now the awareness in watches has grew so much that people are like yeah who cares about the watch and that is reflected into the budget that they allocate into the box but so I think I wouldn't like downgrade not because uh, my my parents were were in the business but even in in in, in pants then and in everything even in whiskeys for example mm -hmm. uh the, the packaging part is so yeah. important and this part of of the collectability of the item itself mm. that's really true yeah. because sometimes i look at that wood like you know that really great well-polished wood and i mean you might not use the box but you're never throwing it away <laughs> you know what i mean you, mm -hmm. you, you find somewhere to put it yeah absolutely right so you kind of touched on it but you know, you, when I had the conversation with you over the phone, you mentioned that the uh, pen industry is going through somewhat of a similar quartz crisis, right? <laughs> On its own. Explain what you meant by such a such a phrase. It's quite a phrase to use. Uh, yes, absolutely, it is, and um, uh, look, pretty much, we're in a position right now. Um, where since 2010, pens have lost a huge appeal due to digitalization. If we think, when did the iPhone came out? We're talking about 2008, if I'm not mistaken. And since then, it developed further and further. iPads, Apple pens. And so what happened? I was, since 2000, and, uh, late 2010, I started working in the retail store that my parents had opened up two years before. And we realized that people really didn't care about writing instrument, about the, the classic writing instrument anymore. That was reflected in the fact that Mont Blanc, for example, stopped producing agendas. So... Uh, when when you know that Montblanc is stopping is stopping a production of agendas and refills of agendas, then you know that there's no market for it, right? And so this this really was like it was a disaster. There were some very very tough years uh, between 2010 and 2017. This also obviously led to a uh, to, to, to brands becoming a bit, I would say, depressed in the sense that, you know, business wasn't running. And when you start losing, like in, a, like in a football team, when you start losing, then you probably keep on losing. When you're winning, you're winning always more. And we have the example in the watch industry. They keep on winning because obviously they, they set everything up in order to, to be able to win. So like in the watch industry where the manufacturers were kind of confused, should we now start doing only quartz? watches should be doing should we be doing mechanical watches people shifted their attention from the classic watch uh, to the digital watch or battery run watches in the same way people from 2010 on 
really stop writing by hand and appreciating a, a fine writing instrument. And actually, you wouldn't see in pretty much no environment, if not really for the aficionados, any pens. And that was, was a big disaster. And that's also where I realized that uh, there is a potential because where there's a crisis, there's also a chance of uh, giving birth to that same industry, but in a new way. And similarly, like in the watch industry, where the watch went from a tool where you could read the time to a personal luxury and a collectible and something that you appreciate for the craftsmanship, the pen has made a shift or is making a shift from the workhorse in office, so the item that you needed in order to write down stuff, you know, as a, as a, as a lawyer, whatever you might be, to also a personal luxury, an item um, that helps you express your own personality that is collectible and that in the future, in the next years, might even become an asset. We don't care about that. We look at, at these items with a lot of passion. Same goes with watchmaking. But it's also true that when a, an industry opens up to a larger mass, then obviously um, also the, the request of those items starts really growing in a, in a dramatic way and in an exponential way. Okay. Um, say for the quartz crisis, then you have, okay, then you have manual and then you have quartz. So in the pen industry, the manual would be the ink, right? And then what would be the equivalent of the quartz? Like what kind of pen? Yeah. The, uh, it's, it's a fantabulous question. Not that easy to compare it one-to-one, -one. but if I had to do this comparison, then I would say the quartz watches, the throwaway um, plastic pen, Okay. And the the manual the manual uh, mechanical watch is a nicely manufactured mm -hmm. fountain pen, but even mm -hmm. a ballpoint and a rollerball, you know. Okay, okay. Uh, I would I, when Long asked that question, I would say it's like a pen is something which you can actually physically write with. With ink comes out, so ink actually, okay. yeah. Okay. But then, like the electronic side is digital display you can even write with your finger you know on on a tablet or on a screen or even typing okay. right that i would that's what i would think okay. because like that's... people still need to express themselves mm -hmm. right they still have to write words right mm -hmm. but typing on a computer means that you don't actually use a pen anymore mm -hmm. right and then writing on a tablet means you don't write with a pen anymore right so that's, that's a very very, very good point, Dan. You're absolutely right. Actually, I think your your comparison is is even much better than mine. Mm. Oh, I'm pretty good at this, you know. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but my next question, obvious question. So, what makes a good pen? There are several factors. Um, a, a uh, let's talk about fountain pens okay so we talk about the the epitome, but, but even like in general uh, you uh, obviously a nice pen is manufactured with certain kind of materials with certain kind of machines also and also goes through a process of uh, research and development and design that is different than the daily consumable so uh, obviously if we take a nice fountain pen then it normally should be fitted with a 14k 
carat and 18 carat, or in case of the Japanese um, brands, even or, or of sailor specifically, even with a 21 carat uh, nib, it should have a nice piston filling mechanism that really, you know, delivers a certain um, manuality when it comes to filling up your fountain pen. Uh, and then obviously, you know, the, the materialization is extremely important. In, in pens, we have uh, uh, resin, we have uh, celluloid, which needs to be stored for at least 10 years in order for all the gas to come out and not being inflammable anymore. By the way, celluloid is one of those uh, um, materials that won't be produced anymore because no one is producing celluloid in bars. Why? Because the, the industry is just too small, so it's not worth it to create celluloid bars, but just on a side note. Or, you know, what's used also a lot on, on writing instruments, unlikely like watch cases in in in, in the watch industry, is uh, sterling silver. We use a lot of sterling silver. Sterling silver is one of those materials that are very important to the pen industry. Uh, but usually, let's say a, a good, a well-manufactured writing instrument is made out of solid brass and then usually ruthenium coated, PVD coated, DLC coated. We have Fifen, rose gold, yellow gold, uh, rhodium platings, platinum plating. So, you know, there's, there's a big process of manufacturing. And once you enter one of those incredible companies such as Otto Hoot or Montblanc uh, or Carandash, then you really see what incredible skills and know-how that this companies have know-how by the way that is not um uh, that cannot be replicated for example by watch manufacturers we even tried that once we tried to produce running instrument with watch manufacturers or, or case manufacturers it simply wasn't possible it's another kind of know-how it's another kind of technique it's another kind of mindset and therefore, that really shows that producing a nice writing instrument is a whole know-how by itself. When you say the know-how, are you talking about what all of it? Or are you just talking about the nib? Or where's the hardest part? Where's the money? <laughs> well, well, listen, um, similar to, to, to the watch industry, where back at the time, a lot of brands just had ETA uh, or, or yeah. Valju um, uh, mechanics components in, in, their, uh, in their watches. It's very similar in our industry. So uh, if I can do this comparison with the watch industry, with the time, the more the awareness grew, the more customers started pretending that high-end manufacturers and, and specific models would not be fitted with certain um uh, 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 how you say sorry um uh, like mechanical components but would rather be an in-house movement movement that's the word i was searching for would not be fitted with a classic movement but rather with an in-house movement so right now in the pen industry if we talk about know-how there are very few companies that for example hold the know-how when it comes to the production of nibs we can count them pretty much on one hand it's actually two in Germany, which are the main supplier of all brands. We're talking about Bock and Jovo. Uh, then obviously the nib arrives at the manufacturer. It gets tuned, it gets tested, it, gets, uh, um, it goes through a whole quality control. But there are really like very few companies who have know-how when it comes to nibs. Just to name a few, Aurora, Sailor are two companies that, that hold that specific know-how. Montblanc, obviously, too. 
But there is a, a whole other aspect when it comes to, to writing instruments, and it's the fact, you know, that uh, the guillage technique, for example. So doing a guillage on a tubular size is a very complicated thing. And you have to think they really uh, build these robots from scratch, and they program it from scratch in order to be able to deliver a certain kind of guillage on their pens. So each single factory that does guillage on the writing instrument, like Ottohut, like you can see on Dupont or on Carandash writing instrument, that's a machine that they have built from scratch all by themselves, have programmed all by themselves, and therefore that know-how really is in-house. That's also why a lot of those brands really don't like to show how they do it, and even with which machines they they work because it's such a niche know-how that if they if they give out that then really they're really giving out a big portion of of the research and development and the investment done uh, by the company um another know-how that i would mention uh, just to conclude which is also quite a, an interesting one the watch industry is used to really doing like whether steel or solid gold or solid uh, platinum uh, or solid titanium uh, cases, for example. In the watch industry, we uh, in the pen industry, sorry, we do a lot of coatings, and so there is this whole lines of of coatings of baths, um, which which are just incredible. Just incredible. I mean, if you visit uh, uh, and have the chance to see that, you, there is even the chance to see on some of my videos, uh, for example, at Hoot, it's just incredible the amount of um, know-how you better have in order to have one of those incredible baths in order to create the coating on writing instruments. I wanted to ask, um, what is the average age of um, people who buy these nice pens? And then... I'm, I mean, I'm guessing they're older and mainly men. So like, how do you try and get younger people to use nice pens? So there are, we have a lot of women who are collector, by the way. Yeah? But okay. uh, obviously, obviously, uh, this collecting kind of attitude is uh, very masculine, I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, with with women, it's really more about the beauty of the items and mm -hmm. the beauty of this world. Men comes more in and kind of, you know, likes the collectability kind of approach to, to writing instruments, similar to watches, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the age range... Normal, normal age range. I'm not gonna talk of, for example, our retail store that mm -hmm. we operate mm -hmm. is, I would say, between 40 and 65. Okay. We are managing to really bring it down to 30 to, to 45 in in our segment. I would say 30 to to 55 in our segment. So, some of my best customers are under 40. Okay. And uh, they're starting to appreciate writing instruments just by showing them writing instruments from the right perspective. So until now, the storytelling that has been done with writing instruments has often been, oh, look how it writes and the nib mm -hmm. and this and that. Just like a watch, we just expect that the, that the well-made watch runs well, right? So that's mm -hmm. the kind of the base. And that's the, the same kind of, um, uh, of expectation we have with writing instrument but then what really makes the game is the whole storytelling around the pen the people behind the brands 
uh, explaining, showing them the manufacturing process, uh, uh, explaining what I was just mentioning, how complicated and complex it is to do a guillage, to do a, a, a lacquering, to do a, a, a coating. Mm -hmm. And once we start explaining that side of this beautiful item, then a whole world usually opens up within one hour. So mm -hmm. usually, usually if I get if I get the chance to be one hour with someone who never acquired a nice writing instrument, yeah. but is used to nice things like watches, mm -hmm. usually it's a done deal. Like okay. they get into it, they start with say, okay, I'm gonna start with a rollerball, and the next day because the price pointage yeah. is much lower they're gonna come in and say okay now i want to try the quantum <laughs> pen so it's a it's a, a completely another kind of rabbit hole and it's a luxury segment that is yeah. lower in terms of price point yeah. than the watch industry yeah mm. well i was just gonna say you have an hour with long long yeah and uh, okay, she so, likes nice no, things so i no, this is exactly my problem like every time i feel like this thing could potentially rob me from watches so recently it's been cents <laughs> like i've just realized okay cents are going into bottles like thirty thousand, fifty thousand, and i'm there thinking oh it, it's it stops at like a thousand something so now i'm like okay there's this whole world and then we're writing so i journal religiously right <clears throat> and it's it's like a whole ritual where i sit down and i take time to do it i generally i know you're gonna be like this is really low level but i'm just like okay i love everything goyard so i want to see everything in goyard like every book everything so i'll journal on that but then my pen is so shit it's like okay this one has ink and i'll just write so it will be dry and it will be like hard and by the end of writing i'll be like man my hands are super sore so mm -hmm. yeah uh and listen, that's not your mistake. That's yeah. our mistake. The fact that everything around the pen is celebrated, but the pen not, yeah. that's due to a lack of communication and of awareness made by the brand itself. I'm, I'm very transparent here on this mm -hmm. podcast, guys. So uh, I'm, I'm speaking freely and, and open. And that's actually what we're trying to do. We're trying also, like like you say, Lang Lang, um, you're someone who appreciates the fact of having this beautiful notebook and it should be visually appealing. Mm -hmm. And we are trying to bring in the sensation that while everything is top notch in your environment, mm -hmm. I mean, you, you can't just write with a $3 pen that you found somewhere, that right? So, <laughs> no, exactly. Stolen but, hotel pens. <laughs> exactly. That, these are my enemies, you see? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but I, I, I totally get that, you know, it's all a matter of awareness and the mm -hmm. awareness, even with watches, you know, nowadays, when you talk about watches, everyone is like, yeah, yeah, that's all normal. It's all good. But I remember when I started in watches and I was saying, hey, I work in a place where we sell watches between five and 20,000. Mm -hmm. Every single person would tell me you are absolutely crazy. Now, those same people, because the watch industry evolved their communication, you know, it went everywhere, rappers, mm -hmm. actors, mm -hmm. uh, you name it. The awareness grew so, so much that people now are like, yeah, that's normal. You got to have a nice watch. But it wasn't like this back in 2007, you know. In 2007, the first young people were starting to slowly come into the store and slowly discovering this world, still saying it's absolutely crazy, but at least they were interested in it mm -hmm. and the same kind of of um evolution we're facing in the pen industry 
listen, the feedback that I had four years ago have evolved dramatically, you know, like four years ago, people would tell me a, a pen for $400, you're absolutely crazy. Now at least they tell me a pen for $1,000, it's absolutely crazy. So also in pens, the, yeah. the awareness is growing. And at some point, you'll see so many people with nice pens that you'll automatically be in a mood where you say, when I'm writing, I'm not, I'm not writing, I mean, you're writing a lot and I, I respect that a lot. And by the way, like you both said, journaling is extremely important and it is important. And I also recommend to whoever like has the possibilities journal because it really helps you to free your mind. Mm -hmm. And with the amount of information that we have nowadays, it is so important to use our um, third brain, which could mm -hmm. be, paper right like mm -hmm. words words on paper and yeah so i think that this is going to be a very normal evolution and i think long long in in two years we're going to talk again and you're going to tell me how did how how could i even <laughs> think of journaling with a, a hotel pen with a pen. <laughs> now what, what she'll say is i've moved off from the w hotel pens yeah. and i'm now using the ritz carlton pen yeah. <laughs> <laughs> terrible terrible <laughs> No, but um, like, I'm just talking about my experience. I was journaling, right? And I did feel like, oh, because this is important. So I feel like I want to write with a nice pen. And then um, as I saw the ink onto the, I don't know if it's with fountain pen, it's specifically with fountain pen. When I see the ink on the paper and writing nicely, there is, when you look at, you do, you do sometimes look back at what you've written and just to see it like really nicely written and all there, it, it's just really nice. And so I started to think about, oh, you know, calligraphy, because I've seen I've seen some people uh, that I wouldn't say it's like calligraphy, but they really take their time mm -hmm. to write beautifully. And they will write less like a, one line, which is like a quote from somebody. And then I'll, I'll see it and it'll be super meaningful, written in ink and then written by fountain pen. And it just written in the most beautiful like handwriting. And like, you know, a lot of us just write on the computer now. So when now you see that, you know, back in my like dad's time, everybody had great handwriting, you know, mm -hmm. like there was actually classes for it. Now, if you do it, it's a real kind of, wow, like that person's got some really good handwriting. Mm -hmm. And then I was like looking at the inks, you know, like, oh my God, how many shades of blue do you want to have? Well, shades of black and, 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 and like all these ones with like, um, you know, like gold leaf in them and stuff like this. I was just like, oh my God, there's so many inks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I started to replicate that and try to write nicely, you know, really pay attention to my, to my handwriting because I, I really liked the end result of it. But uh, anyway, that's just my experience. Moving on is we 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 basically touching on everybody's experience with what uh, with pens, right? And throughout this podcast, we've been making that comparison between watches and pens. And now you're saying the watches are slightly ahead because they sorted out the communication and moved into the luxury space rather than marketing it as a functional item. Um, but part of luxury is also being able to show it off. Right. So a lot of people have been able to put the watch on their wrist. You get to see it. And in such a small space, you can really gauge like someone's wealth, status, all this kind of stuff. Have you ever thought how much 
showtime a pen has in public and does it have that effect or is it done manifested in a different way mm -hmm. i think it's an extremely good point daniel i think that uh pens simply play another role when it comes to showing the status if we're talking a bit about that or showing the personality of a person so i often say while you cannot drive your car into a store, but you're going to park it somewhere, right? Uh, you're going to walk into the store and have your watch on, which is going to communicate who you are. And in, in a business environment, I would say that this is also like, this is done, for example, with a pen. So we, we still hold meetings, you know, we still have this personal uh, relationships, even if, if a lot is, is home office. Uh, I think because a lot of his home office, the personal meetings are even more important and even enhanced. And so you have a very short span to really make a statement. And also we have to think about the fact that if 20 years ago having a Daytona was like a statement, nowadays having a Daytona is just like standard, at least in Zug, okay? I'm talking about Switzerland and here our environment, like Someone comes in my store with a Daytona with an Altilus. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay. If he comes with an F Peugeot, and I'm gonna start like conversating. I mean, I'm conversing with everyone, but I'm gonna start <laughs> talking about the watch itself. You know, I'm gonna say, okay, who are you? What do you do? Why do you have an F Peugeot? And so on. So I think with pens, it's very similar. If when someone who has culture and who loves beautiful things purchases an art item, and you know, some have the chance to to display that their home, but a lot of those art times uh, of of these art items, paintings, even get stored somewhere, and it's a kind of personal value that this person gives to to the painting. Uh, Leave the the investment side of it. Uh, I know that a lot of art lovers, they actually buy it because uh, they, they also feel something when they look at it, right? And I think what, with pens, it's very similar, you know? We don't know yet what the position of a writing instrument is going to be in the daily life of, of someone. But there is also the aspect that a pen is not just something that you show up. A pen is also something that you use. Therefore, the connection, the bond that you have with your writing instrument might even become stronger than the one that you have with your watch. Because while the watch you have in your wrist and you go around, and maybe if, you, if you've done many things with your watch, you also start having a certain bond. But with your writing instrument, you're, you're writing down the story of your, of your life. You're actually defining your future. You're bringing down ideas on paper. You're brainstorming ideas on paper that might help you become successful or like you both said you're journaling with it so you're it, it's something very emotional so to come back to the question there is the personal side of the story where someone says i'm not writing that much but when i write i want to do it with something nice and they create a personal bond with with the writing instruments that they own on the other end Pulling out a nice writing instrument really shows and explains who you are without you needing to speak because it is highly uncommon. And therefore, because it's highly uncommon, it becomes an extremely strong statement towards the person that is in front of you. Mm -hmm. I, I agree with that mm -hmm. part where most people now, they wear a watch, you don't really 
you, you clock it and then it's kind of done in like, I don't know, 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. But if someone actually was making notes and they bring out a fountain pen, take the time to unscrew it, then put it up that, that whole kind of visual side of it. And then they write and they actually get a proper like notebook uh, in your case, like a goyard, right. And they write and they write beautifully. It, it will have an impact. I'll, I'll give you that. It will have an impact. Mm-hmm. Like I will. So I was just, you were explaining that so beautifully, Samuel. But in my mind, I was thinking, what could really make these watches sell if these watches basically gave you more game with chicks? <laughs> <laughs> right? True. True. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, no, absolutely. And like, like look, I, I, I don't expect pens to becoming wa- uh, becoming watches, you know? It's not the same status, just like having a watch will never have the same status like having a nice car, you know? So you cannot expect the watch industry to have the market capitalization of the car industry, where they invest in a year what the watch industry um, invests in probably five years, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think the whole point is about just the fact of starting already to get back into using a pen on purpose, you know, giving it a certain kind of value. That would already triplicate the game. It would already triplicate the market cap of our industry. And why am I talking about market cap in our industry? Because the market cap is extremely important in order to preserve the brands that are within the industry. So if the industry doesn't grow and doesn't go into a certain direction, it even risks to die some uh, to to die someday because it's just not worth it, and that's what probably the watch industry risked back at the time. And then, thanks to Hayek and all the other actors who came into the watch industry, they started promoting and putting the flashlight on watches in a different way. And today, we are where we are thanks to this mm-hmm. kind uh, of of vision. And yeah, therefore. I don't expect watches to be uh, the statement item with which uh, you're going to make a huge statement towards a a girl or a lady, but I expect it to have another kind of role in other kind of uh, of environments, in other kind of situations, but to have a specific role. And at some point, it will be in a way that if you... If everyone on the table will have a nice pen, doesn't matter how much they spend, you know, let's say they spend two, $200 upwards and you're with a plastic pen, everyone is going to look at you and say, man, really? Like you have a $20,000 watch in your wrist and you come with a plastic pen? And I think that's, you know... Gosh. Pen. No? Yeah. <laughs> but all then right. I just want to ask then, if you if you know all this, and I'm sure the whole industry knows all this, why are you guys not advertising? Why are there no influencers? I mean, you're definitely pushing this, but like, where is everyone else? <laughs> and now you're making a question, Lung Lung. <laughs> uh, I don't know if everyone realized already with the industry, to be honest. <laughs> so uh, m- what I'm trying to do is to make as much noise as possible, which, uh, to be honest, uh, it, it's not really, I mean, I'm someone who talks uh, with pleasure, you know, and I'm, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm loud, but I'm, I also like to, you know, be very concrete in the things I do. So uh, I would love to be a bit less noisy and make a <laughs> bit less statements mm-hmm. and go a bit more in-depth into, into writing instruments. However, what I'm trying to do is exactly to be a wake-up call for the industry. Mm-hmm. Why are they not doing it? I'll give you an answer for it. 
I'm risking my whole my whole uh, image whole for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, but but look, look. I think at the end of the day, the wake wake up calls are needed, you know. And I think this is. I, I thank you both for giving also this opportunity to our industry to have a, a, a beautiful uh, vision towards people who appreciate fine things because that's extremely important. This just by the way, I think that a lot of brands haven't realized how they have to market their pens. And I think that we are still at early, early stages of our industry, which, listen, at the end of the day, it's a beautiful stage. In 20 years, we're going to look back and we're going to feel like, oh, what we were doing 20 years ago was just awesome, you know? Uh, but but at this stage, it's I think that there is also a, a generation shift in retailers, in brands, in CEOs, in owners of these companies. And so... There is something that needs to happen and something is happening. And at some point, there will be a breaking point where someone will recognize something and everything will start to change. We're working towards that direction. I cannot disclose all of my plans, but we're working towards that direction, giving it the right exposure. I think it's also very difficult, long, long, to desire something you don't see, right? That's what you said. Why are they not marketing it? Uh, the other thing I would say, yeah, but uh, when you go on Champs-Élysées, you have 200 watch stores, you have 200 fashion stores, and you don't even have one single pen store. I mean, the relation doesn't hold. Even if the pen industry will always remain a very small niche, it still deserves at least one nice store, multi-brand boutique on one of the main streets. So we have Montblanc, which has become a beautiful lifestyle uh, brand, but but also is really the, 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 the driving force of our industry when it comes to writing instruments. But we need to put writing instruments in a place where people can see it. And I think brands don't have realized that yet. And we're working on waking them up and, uh, and letting them understand how this needs to be done. As I mentioned earlier on, it is difficult when you face such a crisis to come back, bring in new money, new investor, convince people. You got you really got to have a vision in order to to mm. to to convince people to invest yeah. into the the pen industry at this stage, you know. Yeah. But look, it's happening. It's happening. There is quite some attention um, mm. into into the industry, and I think that you will see the change probably from one day to the other. Okay. Is uh, Marco Contina like involved in this change? <laughs> Mark, no, no, but listen, it's a, Mark, I often say we don't realize how much power we have nowadays thanks to social media. Mm. 30 years ago, the watch industry had to spend tons and tons of money on all kinds of magazines all over the world in mm. order to be placed in the front of, of people. Nowadays, thanks to also people like Marco Concina, which are men of great knowledge and of culture, mm -hmm. we have the chance to have an exposure for a change. So I'm just going to mention this thing. The video that we did together with, with, Swiss, with Swiss Watch Gang, so with Marco, I, I took a, an excerpt of 17 seconds. I published on my, on my social media, on my Instagram, mm -hmm. and we, we reached 1.3 million people. So you're asking me if Marco is involved in the change? Absolutely. Because the kind of work that Marco is doing for the pen industry, while being obviously uh, totally into the watch industry, is already generating a lot of incredible attention towards the kind of people that we're aiming at. 
That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Right. So Daniel here is still hung up about this attracting chick thing. So I want to like, <laughs> I want to talk to Long Long, right? Because yeah. obviously Long Long's a girl. Yeah. Yeah. She's Am a girl. I? And yeah. And um, can I ask if a guy, I don't know, was in the cigar place and, you know, yeah. you see him take out a nice writing instrument. Does it have any impact on what you, what do you even think? Do you even think anything or think twice or not really? No, but our good friend collects fountain pens. Yeah. And really, really high-end Japanese ones, right? But it's also the context. I think it's like, uh, like Samuel said, if you're in a business meeting and somebody has a nice pen, I would assume that this this kind of lifestyle um, like infiltrates everything else. Like, okay, for example, on myself, I spend a lot of money on pajamas, but no one's going to see it. But to me, it's like a ritual to go to sleep. It's like a thing. Um, but no one's ever going to see this. But if you actually get to know me and you know this about me, you would also assume that if I'm already spending money on things that nobody can see, this is already a lifestyle. So if I mm -hmm. see somebody that spends this much on a pen, I would think, well, I'm pretty sure you're going to spend this much on your mixer, your coffee machine and everything else. But if I see a guy with a super nice watch and everything else is like what Samuel said, like shit, right? I would just be like, okay, this is just, you know. He's spending all yeah, yeah, money yeah. onto one thing and then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a bit off, yeah. yeah. I was just thinking, you have lots of nighttime rituals because, like, yeah. <laughs> you love to eat, man. Like yeah, but it's, I, but what I also realized with, uh, especially with like wealth nowadays, the difference compared to 10 years ago was 10 years ago, everyone's like, okay, I made some money. Let me buy a BMW. Like, you know, they rush out and buy these things. But now people are like, okay, what can I buy that doesn't show the brand, but super high quality? So even yeah. if we talk about like, even though like I'm not even into bags, but what I, I can see a huge shift with people being like, okay, every, there's just too many people using Birkins. So now people are customizing bags. Like I just want no brand, but you're paying the same price actually, but I just want no brand and high quality. So I do believe like pens will take off because people are starting to understand, like, I'm going to spend money on less things, higher quality, but it actually changes my like a uh, standard of living. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Right. I really want to ask this next question. I've been waiting. Um, <laughs> so we've like constantly made like watch and pen kind of, sim you know, similarities and differences. But for our listenership and for me, actually, let's say we got Patek, Rolex, mm. or Piguet, Vacheron. What's the equivalent in watches? Do you mean okay. in, pens? in pens? Yeah, in pens. Yeah, yeah, pens. Yeah. So there is an equivalent to Rolex, and that's Mont Blanc. So okay. I was thinking uh, but that. Yeah, but on the other end, Rolex is very conservative in their line, mm -hmm. which Montblanc is not. Montblanc is very creative. You know, they mm -hmm. they do some incredible uh, artisan edition, limited edition of eighty eight pieces of eight pieces of one of uh, unique pieces and so on. Yeah. So, but still, I would say in terms of of branding, when it comes to writing instrument, when you think watches, you think Rolex. When you think pants, you think Montblanc, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the equivalent. Okay. About like the other brands that you mentioned, like Vacheron or uh, Patek Philippe uh, or de Marpiguet and, and so on, it's difficult to say because those brands are very well established. They're curating a niche mm -hmm. and that's where the brands need to get better. They need to be more self-aware, oh. 
on where they want to position themselves, mm -hmm. who they want to be, without wanting to have the whole market share from hundred dollars to hundred thousand yeah. oh, dollars, and okay. and that's something that I highly criti criticize uh, criticize when when I talk to brands and I tell this to the brands too, so it's not a secret. You have to stay true to yourself. By the way, that's a problem that retailers also have. Like in what I do, we only focus on a certain kind of range. Mm -hmm. So uh, we also attract that type of customer. But all the other retailers you're gonna mm -hmm. you're gonna meet in, in in the world, they're selling from the thirty five dollar pen <laughs> up to the ten thousand dollar pen. But the Bentley customer, the Patek customer, the Richard <laughs> Mille customer. He's used to go at Richard Mille, at Bentley, at, 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 at Rolls-Royce and having the Rolls-Royce experience and only the Rolls-Royce, not the Rolls-Royce plus um, uh, Volkswagen, for example, you know, next to it. They want the Rolls-Royce uh, experience. So that's um, one of the things that I sometimes criticize about our industry. And that's why I would say that there is Mont Blanc that is kind of Rolex. And then it's difficult to really put them in a position. If I still have to do that, mm -hmm. I would say that Montegrappa and Namiki are probably a bit the Patek, uh, Bacheron okay. kind of, of brands, okay. because the kind of craftsmanship that they're able to create is astonishing mm -hmm. and out of this world. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, there, there are brands like Carondash, which mm -hmm. uh, could be seen a bit like the IWC. Carondash, mm -hmm. by the way, is doing a terrific job. They're mm -hmm. really doing a great job. I hold a lot of hope in, in Carondash and where they're going. Mm -hmm. um, so Carondash, I would say it's a bit the IWC of, of the watch industry. Sailor, you know, again, Sailor does $180 pens and then they do $7,000 pens. So mm -hmm. for me, it's difficult to, to, to yeah. put them somewhere. I, I, I agree with you, right? That's my main issue. You see, I look at these brands, right? And when you don't have the segmentation on price, a lot of the time, the consumer doesn't even know because a lot of consumers look yeah. at price to segment their purchasing decision. Exactly. When you're trying to charge a very expensive pen and then you see shit... <laughs> Well, not shit, but really cheap stuff. Yeah, yeah cheaper stuff. It really detracts from mm. the expensive pen because it, it pulls the brand down, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. And you got to have a lot of character in order to say, no, I'm still going to pull the trigger on that pen. You know, So yeah. a lot of, of those customers who now purchase those kind of high-end level, they're really like, they, they really know what they want in life. Mm -hmm. You know, they're those mm -hmm. type of people. Mm -hmm. But subconsciously, when we look at the mass of the luxury consumer, you know, there's a reason why the luxury industry, not, let's not call it luxury. Luxury is a, is a word that we all don't like, I think. You know, mm -hmm. the, the, quality, the quality industry, the high quality, high-end quality industry. <laughs> uh, when we look at that, we see that everything is made on purpose, mm -hmm. right? So there is always a reason why Chanel, Louis Vuitton, uh, Hermès uh, mm. are showing themselves in a, in a certain way. Mm. And that's a bit missing in the pen industry. However, I have to point out that shouldn't take away from the fact that those high-end high writing instruments that are in the market, they're really high-end. They're incredibly mm. made. Mm -hmm. Often, those pens should be at least twice as expensive if they would do a calculation that actually makes sense and would help and would help the brand to develop further and really become significant to the to the consumer at the end of the day. 
Mm. Right. Okay. <laughs> I'm on my last two questions. It's, it's flown by and yeah. I feel like I still don't know much about pens. But, <laughs> right. My, my second to last question, right, is watches have now become investable. They've become an asset. You know, some people see them as asset. Oh, I don't think it's an asset, but mm -hmm. people do see it like that, right? Especially speculators. Is this happening in pens yet? So uh, I think an industry that grows, there is a certain demand and there's a certain supply, right? And when the demand becomes much bigger, then we know that the prices are rising. Then the question is, are the brands speculating on it that we don't know for sure? Obviously, they are because, because they could be producing even more, but maybe even to, if, maybe to guarantee a certain kind uh, of quality, that's the peak of quantities they can produce. With the pen industry, however, it's not even a, a matter of speculation, but it's a matter that the pen industry in the 90s really made a shift from what I said earlier, the workhorse to a, pers uh, to a personal luxury, to a collectible in 1992, in the 90s, when Montblanc did the first limited edition. So the DNA of the pen industry relies into the making of limited edition, into taking topics and creating a topic around the writing instrument and bringing that on the market. So it started with the Lorenzo de' Medici uh, pattern of art of Montblanc. It went further to the dragon of Montegrappa. And nowadays, the thing is that the amount of writing instrument of limited, the amount of, of units of a limited edition in the writing instrument industry is extremely low. If we take the pen of the year of Graf and Faber-Castell, we're talking about 500 pens worldwide. So it's a matter of fact, personally, I think, that if the demand and the awareness will grow within the pen industry, at least all the limited edition will have a significant growth in value. Just because they're just there are as many pens as they did in that specific edition. If we take the Pelican Green Ray Raiden, which is this, uh, you know, Pelican Souverain with, with the Mother of Pearl inlays, they did 400 of that one. Those pieces are sold out before they, they're even on the market, and the market is still extremely uh, small. So I just say, just think when more watch enthusiasts who have a certain kind of spending possibility will enter this passion and will understand the beauty of writing instrument, all this limited edition will be the first one who will sell out. And, you know, once, if, if before you had 20 people that wanted those sold out editions, we're going to have 200 or 2000. And so in my own opinion, the prices that now, nowadays you pay for a Montblanc Lorenzo de' Medici, for a Montblanc Hemingway, for a Montegrappa Dragon are ridiculous. They're too low. They're way too low for the significance of those items. They did not even grew with the inflation of the items. So, listen, I am not just uh, saying that. I'm, I'm purchasing those pens myself for myself, for my own collection, because first of all, I love them. It's my passion. I love it. But I think that the, the, the value increase is going to be significant. It's going to be big, big. Okay. So, right. From what you said, I've got an extra question now, which is basically vintage pens. Can you buy a vintage pen and use it? Or will a modern pen always be better? Like, 
<laughs> okay, the, now I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have a big discussion with all the the pen nerds after this. Uh, so, in my own opinion, if if you want to have like you know the the service, the customer service, the 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 chance of repairing your fountain pen, always go for a new pen because you know that the brands are gonna be taking care of the writing instrument, whatever problem there is. With vintage writing instrument, I have to say that there are usually vintage writing instrument. One says that they have more character when it comes to writing because because you would actually only write with the pen. So the pen was the tool in order to make things happen in, in, in daily life and in business. So the the usability and the use case of, of the writing instrument when with vintage pens was different. So to go back to your question, there are some vintage pens which are absolutely a dream to write with and probably you're going to have the best writing experience of your life. But the whole maintenance thing, you really got to be someone who's super, super into that, you know, because don't forget you're using the pen. You're not just putting it on your on your wrist. So if you're taking a vintage watch, you can be very careful with it. You're going to wear it and you're just going to be super careful not to go golf with it or tennis, right? With a writing instrument, you're using it. So th there is always a certain performance that has to be delivered. And personally, I would rather go for, for new writing instruments where I know if I have a problem, I'm going to reach out to the manufacturer and the manufacturer is going to take care of, um, of uh, the repair of the writing instrument. Okay. Right. My last question. Can you give us, I don't know how many recommendations, maybe up to three. You don't have to give us three, right? And uh, you give me three, give Lung Lung three recommendations. But to help you, we're going to give you three watches in our collection that we love. Perfect. Go. Right. So then, you know, kind of like what kind of person we are, you know? Absolutely. Right. So I'll go first to give Long Long some thinking time. So I really love the Lange data graph. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I love the uh, Reverso. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm writing and, this down, you know, with my fountain pen. <laughs> and I also, uh, I kind of like love my vintage Movado because of its vintage yeah that oh, wow. has that character like you say yeah 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 um so those are my three watches give me some pens <laughs> okay perfect that's a graph that's a graph i would probably you know langston has this this black and grayish kind of of look german very german uh, obviously the datograph is an incredible and beautiful uh, complication uh, i would probably tell you with the datograph to go for an Hoot design 08 or a design c which is also made in germany uh, also has this incredible um, german design language and manufacturing um, uh, kind of of uh, dna and therefore yeah design c or design 08 okay for the reverso for the reverso a classic yeah it's classic isn't it yeah super classic super classy also i would yeah. probably tell you with a reverso a nice uh, um este dupont line d would probably be a, a nice match thinking about the fact that 
Reverse also does this incredible emile um, uh, like emile works on the back of the reverse, for example, or lacquering works. And Dupont has this incredible lacquering technique. I think it would be a great match with the vintage Movado. Vintage Movado. That I would probably go for a Parker Fifty One. Parker vintage Parker Fifty One. Very important. I would go for a classic Parker 51, which would probably uh, meet the standards and the looks of, of, of a vintage Movado. Okay, thank you. Uh, I will continue that conversation offline with you. Now, long, long. <laughs> okay, I <laughs> want to change my answer because I kind of thought about, it's not like I'm going to like carry a bunch of pens. And if I had to carry like one pen that would like, I could identify. Oh, he has to give you recommendation. Yeah, I know. But then I'm just like, if I had one, oh. pen, I just want it to be like super yellow gold and like the equivalent like of an AP yellow gold watch, like a Royal Oak, something that's like sturdy and hard and like you can drop it and it won't break. But then it just you looks, like the uh, it masculine looks, notes. In yeah, it. like very masculine and very like just not feminine and something that looks tough. But very yellow <laughs> gold that looks like an yep. American mafia gangster <laughs> signing a check. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, I would probably, with a nice royal oak designed by Genta in rose gold, I would probably suggest you to do a customized on Monte Grappa's website. You can customize, customize uh, their. Them? You can customize a pen. It's yeah. really cool, by the way. And probably I would go for an extra mm -hmm. customized in the colors you're looking for. That's or cool. yeah. the other option would be yeah. a Design 08, uh -huh. as I mentioned earlier, but in yellow gold. And okay. that's really when, when you have that pen in hand, uh -huh. maybe, you know, yeah. on the net, it doesn't look as powerful, but when yeah. you have it in hand, it's so reliable it, it's so solid it has 75 grams in terms of of weight uh -huh. that's probably one of the pens that would match to a, a rose gold royal oak it looks nice i'm excited all right i love it i have it i have it here but not in gold ah nice <laughs> i'm, I'm looking it. at it now <laughs> yeah very nice right okay so we've completely run out of time didn't even have time to do the uh, reverso round. Last question um, from a quick fire. Uh, since it is a watch podcast, your dream watch. <laughs> My dream watch, uh, I think at this stage, it would probably be a, a Regia Pregepi. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I love Regep, so it would be a Regia Pregepi. <laughs> Okay, nice choice. I love it as well. Good luck on it, though. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I remember. I remember when he told me, Samuel, you should buy one of these. You know, and I was like, Yeah, that Jeff, I can't right now. You know, I'm I'm starting up my business and so on. And now, if I would have, you see, <laughs> genius guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, thank you very much for coming on to the show. Thank I had you. a really good time. Yeah. Uh, and thank you for your patience uh, explaining all of I that know. to us. Um, I do actually enjoy the the videos you put out on your um, Instagram. Um, if anything, you know, they're a lot of fun to listen to. I love how you condense the information very easily. Um, Thank you. So I'll be following that, you know, with you, uh, much attention. 
Can you let people know where to find you and your website so they can at least like browse and look for pens? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so so you can find me on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel, which is called Samuel Naldi. Uh, so boring. And and I have, uh, you can find me on my Instagram, which is also Samuel Naldi. Boring so again. Boring. <laughs> exactly. That's my name. <laughs> and but, but then if, you, if you're looking for pens, always feel free to reach out to me directly or to my team at Style of Tube. You can go on styleoftube.ch and there you're going to find a beautiful selection of beautiful writing instruments. But listen, the most important thing is that you buy a nice writing instrument. doesn't matter if you buy it mm-hmm. from us or, you, or if you buy it elsewhere. And, and guys, by the way, I would like to to take again this opportunity to thank you for giving me the chance to be on this podcast and it was a real real pleasure to talk to both of you and you know getting to to hear all these questions you know it's always very mind-opening for me too thank you okay it's been our pleasure so yeah. let's uh i'm sure we'll talk again okay all the best on your mission to promote um pens uh, i'm you. definitely gonna look now for sure and uh i feel like i want to just give myself one for Christmas or something, but <laughs> I want to take my time to pick a nice one uh, and I'm going to talk to you offline. So thank you again. Thank See you. you guys thank on you. the next one. Bye. Bye. Thank you. See you. Bye-bye. As always, thank you for listening to the waiting list podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach out to us at the waiting list podcast on Instagram or via our private accounts. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.